Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream. I am your host, Alexis Downey, coming to you from the Paul Korea studio. We are doing this one a little early this week, getting it out today, that being Thursday rather than Friday. And it's because it's just been a busy week and we thought, why not put out this episode today instead? And this is going to be the final show before our Women in Sports Night at the Anaheim Ducks game this Saturday on January 28th against the Arizona Coyotes, a 7.30 puck drop a little bit later for a Saturday night. But what better thing to do than come to a Ducks game on Saturday night? Now, as a part of the Women in Sports Night, there are going to be many activations going on, including a pregame panel with our very own Allie Lozoff and then Linda Cohn, Misty May trainer, Lauren Chamberlain, Julie Ehrman, and Jillian Samueli Redden. All of those people will be a part of the panel. And then following that, a speed mentoring session will take place with mentors from all around different aspects of Southern California sports. I am also going to be taking part in that. So if you're coming, make sure to say hello. And then following that for me, well, I'm going to be heading down in between the benches to serve as the analyst at ice level on the duck stream broadcast with Steve, Dan, and Josh. I am so excited about it. I know I've said it before, but I'm just here to remind you. So you make sure to tune in to the duck stream broadcast on Saturday. I'll be getting down to the, in between the benches position, probably during warmups, getting settled. And then I'll also be a part of the pregame broadcast as well. It's just going to be an awesome night. There's going to be jerseys worn during warmups as a part of it. There's going to be activations happening on the puck drop patio, autographs being signed. I am so excited. Cannot wait for it. And I know everyone here at the Ducks has really been anticipating this night and how special it's going to be. So please make sure to come out to the Ducks game against the Coyotes if you have not gotten your tickets already. And when we talk about the Ducks, of course, we have to talk about their game tonight in Colorado against the Avalanche. Game six of six for this 13-day road trip. I'm sure the guys are going to be happy to be coming home. And then they'll have all-star break. So not too bad to finish off the week at home before you head into that. Now, through this road trip, the team is 2-2-1, two, two, and one, two wins, two losses, and one overtime loss. That one happened in Pittsburgh, the very beginning of the road trip. Overall, I think we've learned a lot from this trip. And certainly, if you watch the game against the Coyotes on Tuesday, the team put up a great offensive effort, something that they need to continue to model their game after. Also, the power play has just seen continued improvement on that end. And even the penalty kills, so special teams in general, an area that I feel has started to perk up as well. Now, it will be a challenge against the Avs tonight. That being Thursday, the Avalanche are on a current six-game win streak right now and are third in the Central Division. They've had a lot of injuries this season and continue to have injuries, but it has shown their depth on their team. 
So to talk more about this Colorado Avalanche team, Katie Gauze chatted with us yesterday ahead of this matchup, and Katie shared a look into the challenges that the Avs have faced this season with those injuries, as well as more on her experience growing up playing hockey in the Pittsburgh area and how that passion turned into a career for her. Take a listen now. Welcome on to Light the Lamp Now, Colorado Avalanche reporter on Altitude TV, Katie Goss. Katie, great to have you join us. How has your week been? Hi, Alexis. It's good to see you again. I know we were chatting before this, going back and finding all those fun hockey connections, but the week is good. It's hockey all day, basically every day up until the All-Star break hits, which I know the players are looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm actually going to go down to Florida for it. So counting down the days till I can get my tan going again, <laughs> but it's been great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And I know that'll be really exciting for you having been in Florida before you came out to Colorado, getting to see some familiar faces. Yeah. And the Panthers were in town a little while ago. So I got to relive all those fun <laughs> memories, but to get back down for an all-star game, which I've somehow never actually gotten to cover. Mm. I've been to the draft and a few different events, but all-star game has eluded me. So very excited for this <laughs> one. And it's at a pretty fun location. Well, let's go back a little bit with your background, uh, growing up in Pittsburgh and for anyone listening and they, if they've listened to light the lamp a bit, they also know that I'm kind of from the same area. So really cool to have that connection with you, but did you play hockey growing up? Yeah, I did. So starting out, I was, I'm the oldest of four. And so my mm -hmm. younger brother, two years younger than me actually got to start playing hockey before I did. I started out with figure skating because I guess that was just the natural progression of my mom choosing to have me on the ice. <laughs> and it didn't take very long for me to realize that I just wasn't a figure skater. A little too much aggression, a little too much uh, interest in the competitive nature of, of playing on a team. So after my brother played for a few years, I convinced my parents to let me make the switch and started playing hockey at around, I want to say, six or seven years old and, and skated for a long time. And it's crazy to think about this now because hockey is so popular in Pittsburgh, especially after all those cup years, but there weren't any girls hockey teams when I started playing back then. So I actually played with the boys. I did learn to play with guys and uh, played on my brother's three on three teams in the summer um, for the North Pittsburgh Wildcats team. So shout out. I don't even think they exist anymore. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I uh, had a ton of fun doing it and it just kind of became part of my life. Um, and then when I got to the high school age, there wasn't any girls teams. So I actually switched to field hockey temporarily played that in college along with club ice hockey. So it's always been something that I've been, you know, interested in passionate about. And then it just kind of worked out really well that, you know, like when I couldn't play anymore, I somehow was able to turn it into a career, but you know, growing up playing, it was just, it's my absolute favorite sport. I love being at the rink and I still do to this day. It's basically where I spend all of my time as you could probably relate to as well, Alexis. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm sure growing up with a big family, it was a bit competitive for you too. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and I was always like more aggressive than my brother too. So things definitely got a little bit heated, but my family will say this, if they watch this, if they listen, they said, you really weren't the greatest skater and you didn't have the best hands. You were just very competitive and very aggressive. So I was very good at the physical side of the game, but maybe not the finesse, which is probably why the career just didn't go anywhere. Well, when you realized that you could turn it into a broadcasting career, where did that begin for you? So it's kind of weird. I had so many different interests growing up and actually starting out when I was 
in elementary school, I was at the same time as I was playing hockey, doing musical theater and lots of acting. Mm. So I liked performing and there was always this little element of that in my life. So I guess it was this perfect culmination of wanting to perform, being comfortable in front of crowds, loving hockey. And when I got to college, I was given the opportunity to work as the ringside reporter for our radio station uh, at SUNY Geneseo covering our Ice Knights team, which was Mm. the big sport at school. It was all hockey, which was perfect for me. And that was the moment where I had this, huh, I I love this. I love hockey. Now I can put these things together. I have the skill set for both. And the rest was, I guess, history. Um, But when I was at Geneseo, I got the opportunity to work with the Rochester Americans in the AHL. Mm. That's really where I kind of got to cut my teeth and get very involved in all elements of broadcast world from the editing side to the on-camera and kind of everything in between. And like I've told people this all the time, it's so important when you're in this industry to know how to do everything because Mm -hmm. that's how you get your first jobs. And so the journey from discovering that I loved broadcasting and, and getting the opportunity to do it to now has been winding and wild and all over. And it's taken me to different places, Chicago, where you and I connected through the USHL, but um, it certainly has been interesting, but I'm pretty lucky to have two things I loved growing up now be my full-time job. And one of those places that it has taken you, you were an analyst for the PHF covering women's hockey. When you look at the growth of that sport in particular on the women's side over the last couple years, even how have you seen it really rise and influence, you know, a younger generation of new women's hockey players? Absolutely. I think for me, the best part of it um, was getting to promote the fact that that it exists because mm-hmm. you know, I'm working as an ambassador now with the Colorado Avalanche for, for women's hockey and for girls hockey here in the state of Colorado. And I think it's one of those things where for the longest time, even like when I was growing up, there was nowhere to go with it. So why pursue it right now? there is a pro level that these girls can actually aspire to, not to mention the amazing opportunities that exist for girls at the college level to get scholarships and to play hockey at the high level for the NCAA. But to be able to broadcast it and kind of have my full circle moment, but also share that information with younger girls has probably been the most special part. And in terms of just the growth, like you said, it's grown so much over these years we're now starting to see multiple leagues, right? You've got the PHF, you've got the PWHPA, you've obviously still got your Olympics and you've mm-hmm. got your college. Um, but it's getting to a point now where girls can truly see this as a career path more than just a hobby. Like, oh, I like playing hockey and I'm going to you know, play it for as long as I can. No, like there's actually so much more opportunity and on the other side of things, we're seeing women who work in the sport then transition their knowledge from playing into being broadcasters as well. So mm-hmm. it's really just kind of awesome to see how this is becoming an actual pathway for girls. And, and it's a not just a, a sport that you you played because your brother played. Mm-hmm. Like you actually have just as much opportunity as anyone else. And we've seen salary raises over the course of the PHF's existence. We've seen new teams coming into the league with the Toronto six and now with Montreal getting a team. So it's really wonderful just to start seeing that, you know, maybe the popularity for fans isn't at an all time high, but it's growing every year and it's trending in a really good direction. We certainly have a bit of that here in Anaheim, too, with our Lady Ducks program. And I just love learning about it now being in Anaheim and just seeing all of the young players and everything. It's really awesome. 
Yeah, especially when you get to ask these girls, because for the longest time, it's like, who's your favorite player? Mm -hmm. And of course, like, we've all still got guys who we name from growing up, right, watching them. But now you're hearing girls' names for the first time. And I think that's so amazing, because at least for me growing up, there were no girls that I necessarily knew that I could just point out as like, I watched them and I like them. And now you can. And that that visibility is so important for the growth of anything. Well, I know your journey in broadcasting, you mentioned, has taken you some different places. Uh, you were in Florida with the Panthers and then joined the Colorado Avalanche, right? During their Stanley Cup run last season, a bit of a whirlwind, I'm sure, for you. But how has it been adjusting to life in Colorado? Yeah, it was definitely crazy. And I always say to people, listen, I interviewed for the job before the Panthers were eliminated. I didn't just totally jump ship. Um, it was such a great career opportunity and the timing really was just a cherry on top. But coming out here in June during the end middle of the Western Conference final and then covering the cup final and the parade and everything that ensued, it was amazing, but it feels like it all happened in, in a flash. Mm -hmm. So since the season slowed down, I got to settle in and having spent the last three years in Florida to now being in Colorado was completely different, but in a really good way. Like you said at the beginning, you know, being from Pittsburgh originally, it's that weird line between the Midwest and the Northeast. Don't really know where it is <laughs> just there, yep. but um, it's nice to have seasons again. And I've thoroughly enjoyed my fall and going and doing all of my basic girl things and all of my <laughs> pumpkin spice, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Colorado is great. And kind of like we were talking about before this, you know, having the mountains and having the sunshine and having this whole new um, landscape to explore has been absolutely amazing. And then just from a, a job standpoint, of course, you know, being with a really great organization, having another amazing team that's been put on the ice and just getting to acclimate myself to a new organization of players and staff and everyone. Everyone's great. I'm loving it. Um, and it's a challenge for sure. Cause you spend enough time with a team, you get really comfortable. So coming out here and meeting a whole new locker room of faces mm -hmm. definitely takes a little bit of getting used to, but in a really good way. And it's been super fun to watch this group because there's just so much skill on this roster. Certainly some high expectations also coming into the season for the avalanche. How have they been able to manage that this season? Obviously not the start that they wanted, but injuries have been a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there was kind of a balance too in the beginning when we were dealing with these injuries to asking them, you know, how much of these are due to the fact that you had the shortest off season basically in the history of the league. So of course there wasn't as much recovery time for these guys' bodies who, as we know, like going through a full playoff run absolutely takes its toll. So I think you saw a lot of that reflected in the results at the beginning of the season, some truly bad luck injuries as well. Mm -hmm. um, but we're we're turning that corner, right? We're now here on this six game streak after things definitely got a little bit dark after losing in Chicago. Uh, I think you're seeing the winning mentality and like the experience starting to come into play because a lot of teams could have continued to crumble after that. But this group has a lot of confidence. They they've been through highs and lows, so they know what it takes. So now to be coming out on the other side of it, getting some guys back. We just got a Chushkin. Obviously, McKinnon's back and playing better than ever. Just hit 700 points, which is amazing. The goaltending tandem is healthy again, so they're balanced and playing well. Kind of just starting to see everything come together. And in hockey, it's really all about timing. So mm -hmm. truthfully, for it to be January, heading into All-Star break, having our team looking and hopefully going to be as healthy as it has been, 
we're in a good spot. But the expectations were definitely there. It was the first thing we asked the guys on media day. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's going to have that target on you. You're the defending champs and you're going to get everyone's best game and all of those cliches. But it has been true. You've seen teams coming in and really wanting to knock off the defending champs. And we've had to kind of balance that with the injuries. But so far, I think, you know, we could be in a lot worse of a spot. You know, we just got ourselves back into the top three of the central division. So I think things are trending in the right direction for this group. When you look at those early times and throughout this season with the injuries, I mean, how important was showing that depth on the team through that time? Absolutely. I mean, we've had guys that have been stepping up and putting themselves in roles they're never used to or playing minutes that are way outside of their normal comfort zone. Uh, One player in particular who sticks out, JT Comfer, right? Normally he's a third line center. He's at one point was playing up on our top line, putting out ridiculous minutes, playing on our top power play unit. He's taken more faceoffs than anybody on this team by a mile and done really, really well with it. Alex Newhook is only 21 years old, but he's been asked to step up and be relied upon as a 2C at times and playing in a lot of bigger situations um, with some of the defensive injuries we've had. At one point, Kale McCarr was logging like 30 something minutes every single night. Now he's been injured. Devon Taves is stepping up and doing that. So you really are seeing this uh, incredible accountability from Mm -hmm. these guys to be able to play outside of maybe what their comfort zone would be, but stepping up in a big way. At one point, we had like half the Colorado Eagles on our roster (laughs) and maybe they weren't getting points, but they were playing defensively and they were being consistent and reliable. So you're definitely seeing how a hockey team is so much more than just its all stars Mm -hmm. with a season like we've had so far. Um, At the same time, throughout that, the big stars were doing their job, too. Miko Rantanen has had an absolutely career season, and Mm -hmm. he's not slowing down. Whenever everybody else was hurt, he carried that load. He stepped up. Now McKinnon's back. He's doing the same thing. So definitely it's a balance of the depth supporting you, but the stars doing what they're expected to, because if they're not performing, then you're not going to win games. And so we've definitely found a pretty good balance um, and it's just been kind of a highs and lows and keeping the emotions in check mm-hmm. and, and, and credit to Jared Bednar. Cause he just hit a milestone for being the franchise leading winner for the coaches. And I mean, it's just, it's awesome to see how he's handled the situation coming in with the pressure on him and, and just really kept the guys focused and motivated and sort of stayed the course. They never hit the panic button. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, something to be said for because it can be easy to just get a little overwhelmed but it's a long season and we got lots of games left so definitely things are in a good spot from that leadership side for Jared Bednar getting that milestone what was his reaction to it on Tuesday night it was funny because we had asked him questions about it leading up to it of course like anyone would like especially with some of the beat writers and stuff and he's such a no attention kind of a guy, right? He doesn't want to be the star. He just wants to focus on winning. And he's very typical hockey player, very modest. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I asked him last night after it had officially come, he said, with a smirk, I'm glad that it's done and gone. And so we can stop talking about it, which is pretty (laughs) much exactly what we expected. And he says it with his little, you know, typical smile. But I do really think that for him, it's It has nothing to do with him. He sees it as a team award and his coaching staff that he has right now is the same one he had in that 2016-17 season when they only got 48 points. So to look at that progression and to have done what they've done all as the same group together, I think that's what he was most proud of. 
When you look at the team now, I mean, through this season, what have you been most impressed with to this point? I would say that kind of like I touched on earlier, just their ability to manage the emotions of Mm -hmm. coming in with the pressure of being Stanley Cup champs with facing injuries, with having guys constantly kind of going in and out and being given harder games because they're the defending champs. I think they had a lot on their plate, a lot stacked against them, even though they are defending champs with the injuries, it was easy for uh, them to maybe make excuses. And there really was never a moment where they were just like feeling sorry for themselves and like, Oh, well, there's nothing we can do. We're just hurt. They are Mm -hmm. so competitive to win. If you win a cup and you go into the locker room after a loss, you maybe be like, Oh, you know, well, we won last year, you know, we're, we're, we're we want to win, but whatever. I mean, it is dead quiet when they don't win. They are mm-hmm. so competitive still. They are still so hungry and so motivated to win again that they take every loss very seriously. And so it was just kind of remarkable to see that the hunger to win is still just as much there as it was maybe last season. Cause it's, it's mentally a lot to be mm-hmm. on your best game every night and to, have the expectation of trying to win again. That's why what Tampa did was so remarkable right. to, to make it as far as they did three times in a row to win it twice. So I think this group is showing that they do have the character to do that again, just based on their competitive nature and coming into it, you know, from, from Florida, obviously winning the president's trophy and seeing what that group went through, mm-hmm. then to conversely put it up against what the avalanche culture was like with that winning. Like you start to understand what it takes to win and why losing and suffering those heartbreaks is important. And then once you do win, knowing exactly what it takes. And it's pretty remarkable that they have that same drive yet again. Well, when you look at this matchup against the Anaheim Ducks on Thursday night, what are you expecting to see in this one? I definitely think that we're continuing to try to focus on our defensive game. So I know there's going to be a heavy emphasis from the Avalanche on really doing a good job of supporting our goalies and shutting things down. Anaheim is a team that for me, I never saw a ton of because Mm -hmm. I was off on the East coast living in our own bubble and not paying attention to the Western conference. So for me, this season being with Colorado and getting to see new teams on a more regular basis has been great. And the player that sticks out to me immediately because I covered him in the USHL when he was with the NTDP is Trevor Zegras and Mm. looking forward to seeing the skill and the fun that he brings to the ice. We obviously know his reputation for some flair when it comes to scoring Um, and our team is pretty good about identifying guys that they're going to be keeping an eye on. So I think we're going to do a lot to try to shut him down. Uh, Like you mentioned, Troy Terry making his return is a great storyline, so we're looking forward to having him back here in Denver and getting to cover that element of it. Um, That being said, I know that our group is trying to continue this offensive streak we've got going. We've been putting up pretty solid numbers and goals, especially on the power play, really trying to get the confidence as high as we can with that after it dipped for a bit. So I wouldn't be shocked if we try to go pretty hard on the scoring. It's I think it's going to be a really fun game. I think there's going to be a lot of offensive skill on display, and it's going to be great. One last question. Well, here at the Ducks this weekend, we're having our inaugural Women in Sports Night. And obviously for you having a journey in this industry and in sports, I'm curious maybe what kind of advice you would give to someone that's younger and wanting to get into this industry. Yeah, absolutely. This is honestly one of my favorite questions because I feel like it gives me a chance to share the insight that I didn't have 
and kind of relieve maybe some nervousness of, oh, if I don't follow a certain path to becoming a broadcaster, then I'm not going to be successful. So for me, at least in my experience to have made it to the NHL, which was always a dream, Mm -hmm. I took the absolute weirdest possible route. And because I was persistent and consistent and, and loved what I did and never gave up, I was able to achieve it similar to what you've done, Alexis. So thank you. It doesn't matter if you don't (laughs) climb the perfect ladder of local sports markets and make Mm -hmm. your way right to the top and you don't get that dream job right out of the gate. Um, You can go and take a job that might seem like a weird one. I went and ran media for a junior hockey league in the middle of the country and was able to take that job, turn it into something valuable for me and for my skills, use that position to cultivate relationships and to build a network that was helpful to me and turn it into my dream job. So to go USHL to NHL, that was something that I never expected, but it's Mm -hmm. sort of just a testament to, you know, if you're doing the right things, if you're involved in hockey, if that's what you want to do, or if it's just sports in general, if you love it and you're putting yourself in a position where you are learning things, you're, you're becoming well-rounded, you're going to be successful one way or another. It's really about hard work. Um, Of course, everyone needs a little bit of luck, but don't think that there's just a cookie cutter way to get to your dream job because it's always going to be a different path for everyone, but don't let it discourage you. And also reach out to people like me and people like Alexis yourself (laughs) because networking and finding ways to connect is half the battle Mm -hmm. and also asking questions. I didn't have anyone to ask, like, how do I become this? Mm -hmm. So I just kind of figured it out as I went along. But now that there are so many of us women in sports and it's so awesome to see that representation, there's more resources for the next generation. So ask questions, find out what we did so that you can sort of follow along and find your way as well. Katie Gauz of Altitude TV. Katie, thank you for joining us on Light the Lamp. Excited to see you down the line in this season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Alexis. Good luck the rest of the year. Let's go coast to coast now to hear goal calls from Wednesday night around the National Hockey League. And there were only five games on Wednesday night. So three of those five games went to overtime. So, of course, we're going to highlight those three games. The Toronto Maple Leafs and New York Rangers being the first. Toronto got the first goal in the only one of the first period, but it was a bit of a back and forth game with the Leafs tying the game up in the third frame. And Mitch Marner was the one to net the game winner 19 seconds into overtime on a diving play across Rangers' Igor Shesterkin. Toronto has 68 points now in the Atlantic Division, and you can listen to the call of Marner's goal coming up next. Marner comes out and cuts in front of the net and scores! Holy Mackinac, what a move! Mitch Marner undresses two Rangers, cuts across the goal crease, and outweights Shesterkin to win the game! 19 seconds into overtime! Next up, the Carolina Hurricanes took on the Dallas Stars, two division leaders in their respective divisions. And Dallas took the lead after the first period with two unassisted goals from Wyatt Johnson and then the next coming from Jason Robertson. But Carolina tied it up and forced overtime. Now, the last time that these two teams faced off, Martin Natchez was the overtime hero So how fitting the script was written the same way last night in Dallas when Natchez was the one to net the winner once again at the 134 mark. 
The Canes now have 68 points and are second in the entire National Hockey League in points, while the Stars are at 65 and are currently in fifth in the NHL. Mike Maniscalco has the call of the winner. And Pesci, Nate just tries to get a shot through. Rebound comes to Pesci. He'll play it back, and Natchez and company will reload. Now Natchez for the lane. Trying to work around Ben, as Tripp mentioned. Ben's been on the ice for a while. Natchez with a seat, and he does it again! Marty Natchez ends it in overtime! Carolina, 3-2 winners in Dallas! And last up for our overtime games, the Columbus Blue Jackets and Edmonton Oilers are the last of our overtime games on Wednesday night. And Columbus is in the midst of a week-long road trip where the Blue Jackets now ended the Oilers' six-game win streak in overtime. Edmonton had not lost a game since January 9th previously. So this was a really nice win for the Jackets to get on the road. And Ken Johnson was the one to get the goal off a patient play in the zone with Johnny Gaudreau to net the overtime winner. Hear the call of the goal at Rogers Place by Blue Jackets' Bob McElligot. Back to the middle, and there is Kent Johnson with the puck trying to accelerate. Can't get down the slot there, so he drops it off for Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny slams the brakes on, drops it off the backhand again for Johnson. Kent does find some room, takes a shot, and he scores! And I got two words for you! Game over! Now today we have not one, but two different interviews in this episode of Light the Lamp, especially as we look forward to our Women in Sports Night on Saturday. So Team USA and current member of the Boston College women's hockey team, Kayla Barnes joins the show now. She is a native to Orange County and began her hockey career right here before going on to great success, including winning some Olympic medals. Now, with her busy schedule, Kayla took some time to chat with us on the impact that growing up in SoCal has had on her life and her hockey career. Kayla Barnes joins us now all the way from Boston, I'm assuming. Kayla, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you are a native to the area. You grew up in East Vale. What was that like for you growing up in California? Yeah, it was um it was awesome. I think um hockey-wise, it was you know, I didn't really know anything different. So, um, you know, I played boys growing up and girls. I played for um, the Ducks, the Kings, LA Selects. I played for a bunch of different programs. Um, and um, I think that playing for them, um, it's grown so much how I've seen, like since I've um, been, since I've lived there and since I've moved away and gone on to college and stuff like that, I think um, just seeing how big of a change it's been, like how many more opportunities there are is so amazing. And, um, but it was awesome growing up in California and I'm super honored to be, you know, from there and one of the few from there that, you know, have gone on to play, um, at, you know, the highest level. And you grew up with four brothers. What was that like? Were, were they, did they bully you? Did was it competitive? What, what was that like for you? Yeah, they definitely weren't nice to me um, <laughs> growing up. They definitely pushed me. Um, they teased me um, <laughs> on the ice. They, you know, pushed me around, shot pucks at me, you know, anything you can really think of. Um, but I definitely 
think it made me tougher and a stronger hockey player. Um, you know, now they're my best friends and they mm. are my biggest supporters. You know, they try mm. to come to all my games. They follow all my games. Um, they're super proud of me, but um, they definitely are a big part of, um, you know, the who I am today and, you know, the hockey player I am today. Does your family still reside in Southern California? Um, my two older brothers, uh, the two oldest live in California still with their families. And then um, one brother actually lives out here with me in Boston. And then my parents moved to Nashville about three years ago. So they're out in Tennessee. So we're all kind of <laughs> spread out a little bit. Well, you talked about it a little bit already, but getting to play in all the different programs growing up uh, in Southern California, playing hockey, uh, when you look at your time through those, how were you able to grow as a player to help you prepare for the next level? Yeah, I think for me, just seeking out the opportunities that were best for me. Um, you know, my birth year growing up was pretty strong, especially, um, in the boys, um, side of things. So, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of great girls opportunities for me, um, but, you know, I played up in girls, which was nice. Um, and that was a good program for me, a good team. I, you know, I went to nationals with the Lady Ducks and, um, you know, they did a good job of growing that team. Um, and I think just seeking out the opportunities, you know, I worked with Larry Barron, um, who was, you know, a skating coach for the Ducks and um, just found coaches and, um, you know, places that would push me to be better. Um, I knew that I wanted to go to the next level. So. Um, just finding the resources that worked best for me was what was really important. Now, did you grow up a Ducks fan? Did you get to go to any games at Honda Center when you were younger, too? Yeah, I was absolutely a Ducks fan. I um, went to a lot of games. I played with, you know, Todd Marchand's daughter, um, was really good friends with her. Um, her mom, uh, Todd Marchand's wife, was, you know, my coach. I played with... Um, uh, Todd Bertuzzi's son, you know, they he played for the Ducks. So I think I had a lot of exposure to the Ducks and I definitely went to a lot of games and was a, was a Ducks fan and still am. <laughs> I know we had you back out for a game last season in April too. You got to drop the puck. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was um, a super cool experience. You know, something that I've never really gotten to do and just to be home and, you know, my, some of my family and friends were there, which was awesome. And, um, you know, like I said, just to be home in front of, you know, a home crowd where you're from is always a special moment. Now, with your time playing hockey, too, I understand you also play roller hockey as well. Do you prefer that over ice hockey or do you do you enjoy that as much? Um, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more when I was younger. Mm -hmm. uh, roller hockey was super fun. I played um on a consistent team for a lot of years. Mm. Uh, I don't play as much now. Uh, I just don't have time with my, with my ice hockey schedule and, you know, the national team and being in college and, and whatnot. But um, I do love it. It's fun. It's, you know, you're still playing hockey, but it's a different type of game. Um, it's a different atmosphere. And I had a lot of fun growing up and I definitely think it made me a better ice hockey player. Now you were able to be a part of Team USA to represent USA for a lot of different events, but one of those has been the Olympics, a two-time Olympian. How can you put into words what that was like for you? It's honestly hard to put into words. Um, you know, I've 
remember when I was maybe 10 or 11, I was watching one of the Olympic games. I think it was 2010. Um, and, you know, I turned to my mom and I was like, I want to be an Olympian. And, you know, she kind of laughed at me and was like, well, you can do whatever, whatever you set your mind to, <laughs> um, you know, and crazy, you know, eight years later, I was playing in my first Olympics. And so it was definitely, um, in, you know, it's crazy to think about that now, you know, I'm, you know, almost 24. I've been to two Olympics. Um, it's still a dream of mine to continue to be going to the Olympics, you know, like that's the biggest stage in the world. And um, it's a special experience. You know, it's the one place where, you know, the world is united through sport and you meet so many cool people and everyone there is the best in their sport. And so I think, um, you know, it's nothing like I've ever experienced. And I'm just so grateful that I've had that opportunity. How have you grown as a player through all of those experiences too? Yeah, I mean, I think playing with the best players in the world pushes you to be better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not by any means the best player on that team. So, um, you know, they push me every day, um, not just on the ice, but off the ice, just through their habits and, um, you know, who they are as people. Um, so they push me to be better. And I think I've just grown, you know, culturally too. I've gotten to go to some really cool places that I would have never been able to go to um, through the national team. You know, we travel all over the world and, you know, you get to travel around with your best friends. So um, it's definitely a fun experience and you learn a lot. Now you're playing in Boston. You're a part of the Boston college team. You're in your senior season, a two-time captain for the group. What has it been like in Boston being a part of the Eagles team too? Yeah. I mean, I love Boston. Uh, I love Boston college with, with everything I got. Um, I have immense pride in being an Eagle here. Um, my time here has been nothing, um, but incredible. Um, I've played with some incredible people, um, and hockey players and I'm continuing to play with, um, you know, at a top program with top players. Um, you know, we have incredible resources. It's a great education. You're in a great city. So my experience here has been, um, amazing. And I've had a great time with my friends and met so many different people and have so many different resources now, um, being at Boston college. So I'm just so grateful to be able to be here. Um, I, you know, I love Boston and, um, you know, maybe I'll stay here. I don't really know. I've, I've, uh, really found love for living here in this city. So it has a lot of rich sports history and history in general. So it's been a great experience here being here at Boston College. You've spent time there and you've also obviously been in California too and getting to see the two different ways that hockey has grown in both of those places. Uh, what are some of the differences that you've noticed in terms of that? I think just in, you know, in, on the East Coast, hockey has always been a thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's just a Boston's a hockey town always has been, always will be. Um, and that's one of the biggest differences that I've seen from the East Coast um, and the West Coast. You know, the West Coast, it's growing and it's becoming bigger and there's more girls playing and more people are signing up and learning about the game, whereas hockey here has always been the game to play. Um, but I don't think that means it's not growing um, in either place. I think both places have made immense strides and mm -hmm. um, have done a great job trying to grow the game for young kids. 
From your experiences, maybe interacting with younger girls that are getting into hockey or new to hockey, uh, why why has that been special for you to see? Yeah, I think it's special to interact with you know younger players um, of the next generation because I never had that growing mm-hmm. up, um, and a lot of girls my age will say that uh, their the exposure rate when we were younger was not as big. And, you know, now that girls can see us play, you know, in L.A., in Seattle, in wherever, um, can come to college games, can see that they can do it, too. Um, I think it's that's the most special part is that, you know, I remember growing up and, you know, I watched the NHL and I watched, you know, men hockey players. But the only time I really got to see women hockey players was at the Olympics mm-hmm. every four years. And now that's changed. You know, we're on TV. We've you know, our pro leagues have signed uh, TV deals and, you know, they're on all the time and now young girls can see that. And, um, you know, we had a skate with the Eagles, um, you know, where young kids can come out and skate with us after one of our games. And a little girl had my USA jersey on and that was, you know, that was, it's just cool to see that they can now see it. And, you know, once they see it, they believe that they can be it too. And, um, that's the most special part for me. Well, Kayla, you kind of mentioned it a little bit already, but once you finish up college, is the plan to continue playing hockey? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I'll definitely go pro and um, continue with the national team um, and kind of take that route. And whether, you know, I don't really know what that route entails yet, Mm -hmm. um, but definitely going to keep playing hockey and keep, um, you know, going for another Olympics. And it's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thoughts as always before the end of the show. Make sure to come join us for Saturday's game, our Women in Sports Night. Don't miss it. This will be the last game before All-Star break begins for the team. I'm sure it'll be a nice needed break for a lot of the guys all around the NHL. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more Hockey Talk right here on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.